Hello, hello. Welcome back to Crazy Effing Mommy, episode 133. I'm your host, Elise DeLucci. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Manhattan. Welcome to the Upper East Side. You're in my living room. We're about to talk. Mm. I took last week off from the podcast, so I miss talking to you. I had to get my book to the publisher and and, and iron out some last-minute details, but it's good. We're there. I don't know. I'll have more information when it's available for sale soon. Uh, it'll be on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. You can order it online. And then I think I'll have it on my website too. Anyway, okay, fact of the day. Long Acre Square was the former name of Times Square back in 1904. Could you die? I never heard of this before. It used to be called Long Acre Square and then the New York Times moved in. They had a building right in Times Square. And that's when the square adopted its name as an homage to the newspaper. I was going through some books and I was looking through uh, some old historical books about the city that I have. And I came across these facts and, you know, like this fact. And another one was in 1905, the first pizzeria in America was opened, Lombardi's on Spring Street. It's uh, it's right like a kind. I think it's like off a of Prince or something. I don't know. It's right in Nolita, you know, north of Little Italy. It's worth going if you've never been there. If you've never been to Lombardi's, it's worth going. You can't get a slice. You could get you do the whole pie. It's a restaurant, so you get a table, which I like. That's always nice. It's not an on the go kind of uh joint. And you know, if you're in that area, there's lots to do. There's shopping. There's the old St. Patrick's Cathedral, which I told you. I went to see the catacombs not too recently, which was very cool. Actually, after the um, the catacombs, we went to try to go to Lombardi's to sit down and have some lunch. And here's the thing. Filled with tourists. Now, I have mixed feelings about tourists. Not a big fan. But you know your city's good when you have a lot of tourists. You know what I'm saying? But then if you live here, live here in the city, and you want to go out for a nice pizza restaurant, do you really want to have people taking pictures and uh, talking about where's the Statue of Liberty the whole time? No. No, it's like, get out of my face kind of thing. And, you know, in the nicest way possible. I just feel like sometimes I can't be bothered. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we wound up going to uh, Joe's Pizzeria, which is all the way down uh, on Bleecker and 6th Avenue. So if you go to Lombardi's and you can't get a table and you still want pizza, it's worth checking out Joe's, which is amazing. Just a slice, no tables. You stand outside, you eat the pizza. Or you could go around the corner down on Bleecker, and you could go to John's Pizzeria, which is another restaurant, sit-down, whole pie type of deal. I have a lot of people that listen to this podcast, and they're not from here. And they're like, oh, when you talk about New York places, you know, I write them down, da da, da. So, mm, there you go. There you have it. Your Greenwich Village Nolita Pizza, pizza Directory. By the way, if you go to Greenwich Village... That strip of Bleecker Street where John's Pizzeria is, is very nice. You have, well, you have John's on Bleecker, and then you have a couple doors down. You have um, Faico's, which is the famous pork store. I go there to buy my cheese and parsley sausage. Sometimes I go and get some cutlets or some chopped meat, whatever. Next door from that, you have Murray's Cheese Shop. Across the street, you have Rocco's Bakery. Okay, which is one of the last standing Italian-American bakeries or Italian bakeries in Manhattan. Sad but true. Okay, you have a Lady of Pompeii. That's right on the corner. That's a big Roman Catholic church. My family used to go to that church. And if you go into the church, it's first of all, it's a gorgeous church. But 
if you want to look at the names of like the donation plaques on the wall, it's like taking a step back in time to when the neighborhood was really Italian. All of the the names, you know, on the plaques, it's mozzarella, it's cannoli, you know, it's it's the it's, it's the whole it's the whole thing. And it was funny actually because on Ash Wednesday, I went into that church because I wanted to get ashes, which I'll tell you about that after. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, I wanted to get ashes and I walked into the church and I don't, you know, I, I, I'm a New Yorker. I don't even pay attention to what race, ethnicity people are, you know, because it, it's a melting pot here, right? But when I walked into Our Lady of Pompeii, I think I was thinking I was going to see or like be amongst a bunch of Italians, you know, getting their ashes on Ash Wednesday. And instead, it was like an international mass that was starting at 6.30. And it was a lot of uh, Chinese and Filipino people there. And it just went to show, it was like, wow, this area is just like, <laughs> like totally different. And it kind of made me realize like what a relic Faico's is and Rocco's Bakery and the whole bit. But it's worth going to Our Lady of Pompeii if you're in that area. Check it out. Check out the plaques on the wall. It's just taking a step back in time. And then on the other side of Rocco's, you have um, Venki, which is a beautiful gelato shop. It's They have them in Italy. I just saw them at the, in the motherland. They have the most delicious gelato. I swear to God. In Manhattan, there's two places that I love for gelato. Venki, which is there, and then on Bleecker and Sixth, and then uh, there's Anita Gelato on the Upper East Side, and uh, both equally delicious, both expensive. The Gelato down in Greenwich Village on Sixth and uh, Bleecker, it's like nine dollars for a cone. It's like I love you, but re like really, since when is nine dollars okay for a cone? Anyway, and then you have Joe's Pizzeria, right? You know, like right, right around the little block there. So, it, if if you're in New York and you're a tourist, if you're listening, that's a nice area worth visiting. Okay. Speaking of prices, I went to Pret a Manger the other day. Okay, and I wanted a large black coffee. I don't know if like the prices they just keep going up and up and up. But how much do you think I paid for a large black coffee? Just black. You know, I'm drinking it like a boss these days. It was like five thirty-five. Yeah, maybe it was five forty-five. I threw the like in there because I wasn't really sure on the change side of things. You know what I'm saying? But over five dollars for a black coffee. I mean, how much are you charging for a cappuccino? Like, just out of curiosity. You know, that actually takes some effort to make with the milk and the. It's a, really, really. Please, I can't. Mm. When I was at Faico's, by the by. I paid six ninety nine a pound for ch chicken cutlets. I can get a pound of chicken cutlets, or I can get a cup of coffee at Pret-a-Manger. And by the way, the coffee there not even good. It's it's like it tastes like swill. Okay, ugh. I okay. So ashes on Ash Wednesday. Did you get your ashes on Ash Wednesday? I texted my girlfriend Priscilla on Ash Wednesday, and I said, "Oh, at, you know, I texted her at like seven o'clock. I said, did you get your ashes?'" And she said, "No, I, you know, I was caught up. Blah blah. Fine." I said, I, I, I said, Priscilla, I went to two churches. They both turned me down for ashes. Two churches, you turned me down for ashes. Why? Why? Like, are ashes like, is it, is it not cool anymore? Is it like not a thing anymore? Like, I, I don't even know. Wait, you'll die. So I go to a lady of Pompeii, right? I get there at like 5.30, 5.30 p.m. I was doing a spot 
at 7. So I, I couldn't stay for the 6.30 mass. But I thought if I get there, 5.30, I'll sit, I'll wait, you know, for like 40 minutes in the pew. Surely somebody's going to come out with the ashes, right? So I see this lady, and she she, she works for the church. And uh, I said, oh, I said, you know, I'm going to work soon. Is it possible if I can get ashes now or, you know, right before the mass, you know, I'm fine to wait till 630, whatever. And she says, no, sorry, you have to stay for the whole mass. Okay. Catholics are dropping like flies. Why wouldn't you just let people get ashes if they want to get ashes? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And then the Catholic Church wonders why they can't get young people or younger people to keep the faith or go to church. Like, I, I, here I, I, I'm not young, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm youngish. I'm young with the ish. And I'm walking in here to, to, you know, do what I got to do. And they turning me down. So I'm just, I, I'm automatically annoyed. I'm automatically, you know, I'm automatically like, this is, this is why nobody even wants to go to church. So fine. I leave. I go uptown. Okay, I, I, uh, this is like, I don't know, 10 block walk up 6th Avenue. There's another church, right? I forget the name. St. John, I don't know what the name is. Well, who cares? Go into that church. They have the doors closed and the doors locked. And now it's me and another lady standing in the vestibule. And I said to the lady, I said, oh, are you here to get ashes? And she says, yeah. She said, they're, they're not doing them. You, the mass starts here at 7 and you have to, you know, attend the mass and they'll give you the the ashes at the end of the mass. And she said, you know, I, I, I'm going to try to talk to them. Okay. Priest comes to the door, opens the door, and she makes her, you know, her plead for ashes. And I said to him, look, I'm, I'm on my way to work. I just wanted to get the ashes. Do you think it's okay if, you know, like we come in? And he says, no, you have to stay for the whole mass now. He said, this is, this is a thing. He said, maybe years prior, we were just giving ashes all day. But, you know, post-COVID, we want everybody to stay for the mass. He said, but there are ashes to go. He said, there are places dotted around Manhattan that are giving ashes to go if you want your ashes on the run. This is what the Catholic priest is telling me at church. Want ashes on the run? Go to a little pop-up. It's like, on what planet am I living on? I don't understand. It's not like I'm walking into church saying, can, can I get a snack? Can you throw some host down my throat? You know, I'm just like, it's Ash Wednesday. It's the start of the Lenten season. Maybe you could do a little cross on the forehead. Is that too much to ask for? So guess what? Guess who didn't get ashes? Me. And you know what? I don't even care. I literally don't even care. Because that was such a pain in the ass. And then... My friend Billy, he told me when I went to work later, he told me that his church had made him wait. His church in the Bronx made him wait the full mass. And they had the donation baskets out and all the candle stuff, the candles, you could light the candle, you know, they were off. They only were going on if you put the dollar in. I don't know what's going on. I got an idea. If you're that hard up for money, the church, why don't you just try to appeal to the younger generations, maybe you'll like make more money, get more donations in. Just a thought, just a thought. That really, it really like, really rubbed me the wrong way because, you know, I'm a little bit of a cafeteria Catholic. You know, I go on the holidays. I don't, I don't have time to go on the weekends. I mean, how many things can I do? I will pray to my God whenever I feel like praying. I don't need to go to a church to do that. 
But it annoys me that Ash Wednesday, if you want to just walk in, just you need to turn the people down. Ash is to go. What is this? The drive-thru? It was uh, ridiculous. Okay. Anyway. Mm. The Writing Tips Institute. The Writing Tips Institute recently did a poll about accents. Okay. They did a poll about the New York accent and they polled locals and they said, how many of you want to keep the New York accent? How many of you want this accent to be like mocked in, in, in history to say this is the New York accent? We should preserve this accent. 60% of local New Yorkers said that they want to keep the New York accent. They do not want people to lose it. They don't want it to fade off. They want people to still say, you know, what are you talking about? The mozzarella. You know, what are you doing? Forget about it. That They want that. They want that. I, uh, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why, like, the accent... Uh, lessons, you know, I, I'm assuming it's like the diaspora, people move away, blah, blah. But here's the interesting thing, okay? 60% of local New Yorkers want to keep this accent. I would be curious to see the breakout, the geo breakout of that survey. Because I don't know how many Manhattan people responded to that survey. Because in Manhattan, I sound like I just walked out of central casting, okay? Like, I sound like a novelty act around the city. People are like, wait, can you say that again? I, I don't even think it's a uh, big thing, but you know, it's because when you go to Staten Island, you go to Long Island, you know, people, some people are throwing out the sandwich, you know, some people are saying one, two, three, you know, I mean, so, some people really have the old timey accent, but I don't, there is no, there is nobody living in Manhattan that I have met in almost the 20 years that I'm here. That has had a New York accent. And then when you go interview at jobs, like years ago, I remember I interviewed at Hearst, right? Hearst Magazines. I was interviewing there for uh, the head of digital sales. Huge job. It was for corporate. It was, I think the job was a senior vice president of digital sales. Great. And um, the lady, I had an interview with HR. She was very sweet. And then I met with uh, another lady who lived, who uh, she would have, I guess, been my boss. She lived in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I, she was a big group publisher or something. And she said to me, wow, you really you really have a New York accent, don't you? You know, and there I was trying to put on my fancy voice. And I, I realized, you know, oh, I've always realized, you know, it, it, it does act as a hindrance. So it's interesting when you meet these, when you, well, it's not when you meet, it's interesting when I heard the results of the survey, it's like all these people want to um, keep the accent, but... <laughs> It's not so welcomed everywhere you go. Just saying. Just a thought. <sighs> okay, you're going to die. This is the coolest thing ever that I found. There is a full stack developer. Just some random kid out there in the web universe. And he made a really cool website. You are going to love this. If you like... New York City, old pictures of New York. If you like just old, old things, taking a step back in time. If you liked Gilded Age or any of those shows, whatever it is. Okay, so back, um, so he made this website. Okay, so here's what he did. Um, between, and this is the backstory on the website. Between 1939 and 1941, the Work Progress Administration um, 
collaborated with the city of New York tax department. And basically what happened in this time period was they sent somebody out to each block and lot area in the city and they took a photograph, okay? And they're archived, whatever. So this full stack developer, God knows how he came across this, but he did. And he created an interactive map online where you could click all the areas on the map in Manhattan and will pop up the, the, um, the picture from this 1939 to 1941 time period. What's cooler is that you can put an address in. So say, you know, you're like me and say your family's from a specific area in Manhattan, like Greenwich Village, my family. I could put in their address and I could see what it looked like back in time. It's so cool. The website, let me, I have everything written here. 1940s with an S dot NYC. 1940s dot NYC. The, the website's pretty rudimentary, to be honest, when you go to the website. But it's, it, but it's easy to use because it says search the address here. This is why I think the website was so cool. Not only to see my current apartment building, not only to see uh, where my family lives, but if you put in addresses like Macy's, you know, if you put in the Macy's address, if you put in, you know, the stock exchange address, you know, like landmarks, you see the cars on the street. Like everything looks, like my building, for example, looked the same, right? But uh, my building was built at the turn of the century, but everything looks the same. But the cars on the street are those big honking, cars from the 40s with the big wheels and everything and then in some pictures particularly in like the macy's area or, or downtown you see the clothes you, they get people in the background of these tax pictures these block and lot pictures so you see people dressed wearing uh you know the hats and the suits and the women with the furs and the heels and it it, it just transports you and the thing that i loved about this that you know 1940s dot myc and thank you to that full stack developer that made that is that you really feel like you're there and if you're italian and you want to really step back in time start using the map in that greenwich village area and you notice the street signs and the store signs and the background of all of these lots. And every single sign is an Italian last name. You know, the bakery, the, 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 the butchers, you know, the, the everything, everything. It's catering, you know, restaurant, social clubs. It's so cool. It's so cool. And I, 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 I was like addicted to this. I was addicted to this. Every dot on the map is another photo from the 40s, the late 30s, 40s. So cool. So cool. You you, you got to check it out. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Mm. My daughter, yesterday on the way to school, she had this song. One of my daughters had this song stuck in her head from YouTube. I don't even know what it is. It was, she was like singing the song like, Chicken nuggets and French fries. Chicken nuggets and French fries. I, I said, Viv, what, what is, what are you, what are you saying? What, are you, what is this? And she says, oh, 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 I got it from YouTube. I, I feel ancient saying this, but I don't know how I'm liking this YouTube consumption lately with the kids. Okay, like, I am very modern mother. Obviously, I'm stand-up comedian. You know, I'm a co-parent. We, I'm raising my kids in Manhattan proper. 
You know, we understand. We're 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 right. We're, we're we're modern family. But I really feel like when my grandmother or my mom would say, "Don't sit too close to the TV. It's gonna hurt your eyes." Like that's how I feel when my kid is on YouTube, like for an hour or two. I and she's consuming things that I think are gonna hurt her, just like how my grandmother would think that consuming the TV an inch away was going to burn my eyeballs out. She thinks, if I think, that if she sits in front of YouTube, I think whatever's penetrating, that it's going to just change, you know? Why can't we have, like, go back to the days of Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers, like when they're actually learning something? My, she's running around singing chicken nuggets and french fries. This is, this is not educational for a seven-year-old. And, you know, the industry itself the industry itself is understanding that this is a problem. The scrolling consumption, TikTok, just the other day, if you read, TikTok is putting a uh, a screen limit notification on its platform for users under 18. So kind of like, I think Netflix does it. It says, are you, you know, if you're watching Netflix, it might pop up and say, are you still watching? Uh, TikTok now will say, are you still watching or are you still scrolling? They said they're going to put that on for under 18. But I got news for you. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to stop the time, right? Of course they're not. They're not going to shut the app off. They're not going to have the app shut down for these youngins after 60 minutes of scrolling. No, that's the parent's responsibility, right? But the stuff that they're, that they're getting from this, it doesn't make any sense. It's all these like this, oh, mommy, there's this YouTube challenge here. Oh, mommy, like I, I, you know, I'm going to do this dance. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay when my kids watch the craft YouTubes because they make these like little miniature, they'll make like a little miniature taco. You know, it's cute. They'll they'll do these, you know, adorable painting things. And they'll say, oh, mommy, if, you know, we, we melt the crayons, like if you put crayons in the microwave, we melt them and then we get blah, blah. It's like, I like that. But I don't like this just senseless watching Roblox, watching another kid play Roblox or because it could be some creepy adult too. Anyway. And like, I, I don't even want to go there, but one of my daughters, she's twerking the other day. I said, what that, what are you doing? What is that move? And she says, I'm twerking. I'm twerking it. You, you twerk, you twerk. You better twerk your butt all the way to the bedroom because uh, I, 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 don't e- I don't even move like that. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to move like that. Mommy doesn't even move like that. What are you doing? <laughs> it's this effing YouTube, okay? It's got to go. I'm just going to take it off the iPad. I'm on a diet, everybody. That shouldn't shock you. I saw my friend Ethan the other day. He's like, you're always on a diet. He's, Ever since I met you, you're on a diet. I said, yeah, I am. I'm forever on a diet. I have serious problems. And you know who else has serious problems? Anybody that's out there buying the Breville. Is it Breville or Braville? Or is it Breville? You know that brand. It's like, it's like the expensive Black & Decker. Anyway, I want to say it's Breville. They have a $1,000 countertop electric plug-in pizza oven so you know it's like it's like the uh toaster oven on steroids for pizza okay here's the thing how much money and space do you have that you need a thousand dollar countertop pizza oven just a thought how many times are you eating pizza that you can't just get a get a pie in or go out and get a slice right Here's the thing that is crazy to me, besides the fact that it's $1,000. You can make a sheet pan pizza 
in the oven and it's absolutely fabulous. You can go to the store, you can buy pizza dough, you can get a baking sheet, put the olive oil on the baking sheet, get the dough, stretch it out, you know, pack, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm doing the motion, you know, make the pizza, make that pizza into that square sheet pan, drizzle olive oil on top, a little salt, a little uh, sauce and some cheese, right? And whatever, any spices you want, put it in the oven, 450, 15 minutes, there you go. You have a delicious pizza. You got to drizzle olive oil on the top before it goes in the oven. You have a delicious pizza. You can make Sicilian pizza, which is in in the oven, which is, by the way, the, the same as regular pizza, except for the fact that the, the 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 dough, the crust is thicker. So Sicilian pizza is like like a focaccia, right? You know, and you, you put the, the, the fingerprints in it. You could do everything in the oven. Why do you need a countertop pizza oven? I don't understand. Fine. So you buy this thing. Great. You want it. You love pizza. The selling points of it is you get the 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 Neapolitan crust, they say. They said the selling points, you get the, the leopard spots on the pizza, which, you know, those the darkest spots, just like you would in a pizza oven. My biggest problem with this is it's 750 degrees. It gets to be 750 degrees. Do you want something on your countertop? Do you want a metal box on your countertop that hits the temperature of 750 degrees? No, not me, not me. First of all, you walk right past that thing, I feel like my eyelashes are going to singe off. Why, why do you want that? That is, that is screaming house fire to me. I, I can't, I can't. Williams-Sonoma has it. They, uh, it says, uh, I have it here. Compact countertop oven can reach 750 degrees and cook authentic style wood-fired pizza in just two minutes. If you need a pizza cooked in two minutes because that's how hungry you are, you got other problems. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Keeping Elio's in your freezer. Keeping Elio's in the freezer. Relax, will you please? I mean, really, you know, Relax. You need pizza in two minutes. I get it. We live in a now, now, now. Everything is immediate. We want constant consumption. We have no patience anymore. I get it. But if you need a brick, a brick oven style, I can't talk today. If you need a brick oven style pizza in two minutes, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. You got other issues. You know, uh, my favorite pizza on the Upper East Side, I should tell you, San Mateo. San Mateo, it's on 2nd and 81st Street. That is delicious. They, they are, they're so popular, Sam Mateo. You, you probably know it. But if you're in Manhattan and you're staying on the Upper East Side or you want to venture into this area, San Mateo is a great place. And it's great to take kids because, you know, they're Italian, so kid-friendly. The pizza's heavenly. The rest of the food's to die for. It's affordable, you know. Yeah, pizza. I'm missing pizza. You know, I my mother has the condo in Florida and the last time I went to Florida, in Naples. The last time I went there, I had shipped Lou Malinati's to the condo as like a, a, a thing, like a housewarming or whatever it was. And Lou Malinati's deep dish Chicago pizza. My mother loves it. She, I don't even think my mother's ever been to Chicago, but she's into the deep dish pizza. Okay. She loves Lou Malinati's pizza. So when she bought the condo for a housewarming gift, I had them send six pies. And I think like we ate three of them because, you know, we're Italian. And uh, she, she froze the other three. Lou Malinati's pizza is absolute heaven. 
like one slice is a whole meal. But of course, you know, my family, we had like, you know, three pizzas. Um, I, I've been, I went to Lou Malinati's when I would go back and forth to, for Chicago for work. There was a lot of uh, digital agencies out there, you know, and I, I ventured to Lou's. And what's, there's another one. But I like to lose better. But they have a, you know, they have a big business. That's a fun thing to do. That is a fun thing to do, right? Like if you want to have like an idea, a, 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 a shake up things, a Friday night with your husband or your boyfriend or whoever, you know, just have flown in pizzas from, right, around the country. I think that's fun. Like if you don't live in New York, you could you could get pizza delivered from New York. You know, you just, they fly it in. I don't know who does that here, but Luz does in Chicago. I love it. I Detroit pizza. Now see, Detroit style pizza is like Sicilian pie. Detroit style pizza is, it has that, that spongy, thick crust, that dough. It's like a focaccia. For whatever reason, I don't view focaccia as pizza. I don't love the Sicilian style pizza. I'll eat it, don't get me wrong. Like I like a Sicilian, you know, but I, I my preference, I like it thin, not thin where it's burnt. I just like a regular New York slice. I like it where it's like, hardish, crispy at the bottom, you know what I'm saying, right, thin, and then the crust is like fluffy, but not like fluffy in a, like a doughy way, like, like a hard crust and you bite in, it's like air slash some dough, you know, oh, I love that, and I love just the cheese, and I don't like any oregano, I don't like any garlic, no, no, schmutz on my pizza, sometimes red pepper, and I like to blot the pizza, you know, with the, the napkin, oh, I love that, and you can only get that pizza, by the way, in Brooklyn and Staten Island or maybe in Queens, maybe in Long Island. In the city, mm, for the birds. You can't even find a decent slice. Anyway, moving on. Okay. If you don't like pizza, you could you could try umami crate. <laughs> you know, my ex-sister-in-law is Japanese. Uh, we don't talk anymore because my in-laws, they just don't like me, which is whatever. I don't know why. How immature is that? They, they, the, the my British in-laws... They just decided, I don't know, they, they was, I was too different. You know, it's so funny, these people, I, I, first of all, I like them for a lot of reasons, right? But my ex-mother-in-law and ex-father-in-law, they, they were proud people. They would pride themselves in being world travelers and accepting all the different cultures and being so interested in everybody all around, whatever. But then I showed up on the doorstep dressed in a leopard velour jumpsuit, lip liner, and a bouffant, and... I was a horror show to them. They were like, who is here in Wales right now? I, they weren't so accepting of me. But you know who they loved? Kamiko, my ex-sister-in-law who was from Japan, Amori, Japan. She met her husband, my, uh, the tooth, you know, the the brother, the brother of the tooth, you know, boy, the tooth, my ex. Um, they met in Japan because my ex-brother-in-law was living there studying English. And then they met and they moved back to Wales, right? So that's where they live. And uh, I was always fascinated every time I went to Kumi's house in Wales because in her kitchen, you know, well, it was just obviously totally different than mine. It was much more sparse in the sense of food supply. Um, but uh, she always had all these very interesting noodles and rice and like dried things dried fish dried seaweeds like and, and if you when she would pull out the drawer and she always had uh 
just, it was just interesting. Like, ever she had a rice maker on the counter. You know, it, it, it was a totally different cultural kitchen. But I love that. I was fascinated by it. You know, I was, I remember one time asking her, sitting down with a pen and paper, asking her, can she give me uh, a Japanese recipe? And, and, you know, we had, we tried to like translate it into English. And I did, I made it. It was a Japanese fried chicken. And it was amazing. It was amazing. She, I think she's a very good cook of Japanese. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I haven't really ate a lot at her house because of course she lives in Wales, but, um, if you like Japanese food, there's this thing called umami crate. And it's like for $50 a month, you can get this box delivered. And it's like a ramen box. And there's, I don't know, recipes and recipe cards. And I think that's so cool. I think that's such a cool gift for like a coworker. I came across it. I don't know, something I was reading in Times, New York, or whatever. And uh, I just thought, again, another fun thing to do, right? Another fun thing to do. Yeah. It's always hard when you're on a diet and all you do is think about food, isn't it? As I take a sip of this lukewarm, black, bitter coffee. Okay. Product of the week, the Theracane. <laughs> That's like me saying, product of the week, Velcro sneakers. <laughs> no, there's this product I've discovered on Amazon. It's called the Theracane. I didn't get it yet. I just needed to tell you about it. It's literally a cane. It's like a giant cane shape with these spokes coming out of it. A hard cane. It has over 7,000 reviews. It's like $40. And basically what it's for is if you are slumped over the desk all day long or if you're hunched over, whatever, you use this cane. You have this cane and it's like a, apparently like a flat, like hard cane. And you use it to like get the kinks out of your back and stuff. People swear by this. And they say like, you know, with everybody scrolling in the neck, you know, always with the hunched over, down, face down, keep this, bring this theracane to your office, have it in your home office, and then just throughout the day, just use it, you know, take the cane and put it on the back or on your neck and just use it to like get out some of the kinks, give your shoulders a rest, whatever, loosen up the muscles. I'm going to get it. I'm going to try it. I mean, I, I have a lot of these th- massaging, you know, I don't know, things you put on the neck, but I'm not, you know, in an office 40 hours a week, hunched over, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> I'm definitely in front of the computer 40 hours a week. I'm not in the office. What I'm, so what I'm saying is like I could use like a, a foam roller or something, you know, in my house if I want. But I am going to try the Theracane. I think that it works. I think that it sounds like it works good. It says like it doesn't snap. It doesn't bend. It's hard. It's obviously not battery operated, so it's not like you have to schlep it around. And look, you know, I talked about the massage gun. You know, I, I have a massage gun. But the thing about the massage gun, I got that a year ago, is that it, you can't reach certain areas. You know, you need somebody else to do it. And it's kind of annoying to sit and be watching a show with somebody and be like, hey, can you massage my back with the, can you do the gun on my back? <laughs> can you put a gun to my lower back, please? I mean, it's not, it's not really so sexy, you yeah. Anyway, anyway, okay. Bill Murray, quote of the day. My favorite thing about New York is the people because I think that they're misunderstood. I don't think people realize how kind New York people are. (laughs) Love you, Bill. 
Anyway, that's today's episode, episode 133. I'm Elise DeLucci. You're fabulous. I miss you and love you. Love to love you, baby.